Hello and welcome to the Life is Story podcast. I'm Josh Olds, and today I have unearthed the man that you all demanded that I have on this podcast. So it is my pleasure to introduce on the podcast today, Mr. Kevin Kaiser. Kevin, welcome <laughs> to the program. Thanks, Josh. I'm an enigma. Yes. Yes, you are. It has been way too long since we have talked. It's yeah, been it's been years. Uh, so let's start with a test. How do I know that it's really you? Gosh, how do we know we're anybody? Mm. I don't know, man. Um, you, I guess I guess you'll just have to take it in faith that okay. I am who I say I am. All right. Well, the voice sounds like I think it should. Yeah, so. just a little bit older, a little bit hopefully wiser. Probably mm. not. <laughs> mm. Well, I guess I, we shall find out. In the course of the next 20 minutes or so, um, with the questions I have to ask you. So when I announced that I was relaunching this podcast, I, I had asked listeners to comment with their interview requests, and and we got some of the you know the typical requests: um, Ted Decker, Stephen James, uh, Stephen King, uh, Tosca Lee, and then and then you, my friend, were the most liked comment. Uh, your the suggestion of your name was the most liked comment on the list. So the people the people want to hear from you. Why, why do you think that is? Oh, man, because they don't know any better, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think I think probably because every time, especially with Tosca or Ted, um, you know, or other, other authors kind of in that space, usually I was in that orbit somewhere. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you ever went to a, a Ted or a Tosca signing, I was there. Mm. No, I was always kind of circling and, and meeting with people. So just some old friends out there yeah. wondering if I'm alive or not. Yeah, I think so, because you, you've kind of dropped off the grid. When I when I press these people for questions, because I'm like, you know, how do you do a podcast interview? Um, what what questions do you do you want to, to know from him? Everyone gave me the same answer, and that is just like, where have you been? So oh, yeah. where where have you been? Good question. So um, let me see. This goes back to maybe like 20, like 2013, maybe like mm-hmm. 2012, 2013. So I was the uh, senior brand manager uh, for literary at Creative Trust. So that's an entertainment a- mm-hmm. uh, management agency in Nashville. And so I managed Ted Decker and, you know, also helped with strategy for, you know, for other artists and and other clients within within the Creative Trust fold, and so that's you know I spent most of my time doing that, like helping basically helping, you know, authors become uh, famous or that's like really <laughs> simplifying it, but you know, connecting them to their audience, helping them build an audience directly, mm-hmm. um, you know, because really Facebook, like for instance, like with Ted, Ted. Uh, you know, had his, we set up his Facebook page in 2008. So mm-hmm. the whole idea of like building your own audience in that kind of way is still a fairly new idea, right? Just like mm, only yeah, 10 years, yeah. 10 years old. Um, so I did that. And then, you know, along the way, because I'm a writer, I, you know, I'd work in the background on certain things. And, and Ted and I started talking about, well, you know, why don't we, why don't we experiment with some self-publishing? Let's just try it and see what happens. And so out of that came the Outlaw Chronicles books. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Eyes Wide Open, Water Walker, Hacker. 
And those did so well that we decided to create our own little studio just to play around in. And those side projects in the sandbox, like we called them, we called it the sandbox, um, did so well that I eventually left Creative Trust to focus on that. And so, so I completely went off the grid. Yeah. Uh, at that point, you know, I wasn't having any r- really direct interactions with, you know, audiences. It was really just building and running this studio. Mm-hmm. And out of that came, you know, the young adult books. Uh, mm-hmm. Out of that came the creative way, mm-hmm. uh, that the fiction writing course that we do once a year. And then um, also, you know, over time is, you know, as anybody who knows Ted or knows me, you know, they'll they'll tell you that our real passion is spiritual exploration right and right. seeking out tr- truths that that are really hidden in plain sight that mm-hmm. that we miss right because we've got all of these layers of ideas that we've that we've inherited by virtue of when where and to whom we were born right and so so there's this kind of peeling away process um, as you grow and out of that came the forgotten way. Out of that, you know, t- Ted was able to language what we spent hundreds and hundreds of hours mm-hmm. talking about, uh, as only you know, as only he can do it. And then out of that came the way of love, and you know, all of the stuff around that. So that's where I've been. Mm-hmm. I've been um, facilitating the creation of new stuff into the world. I've uh, been the ghost in the machine that's like getting it out there, right. and um, yeah, I'm still in Nashville, mm-hmm. so okay. still here. My my daughter is now a sophomore in high school. Oh wow! Yeah, and I'm yeah I'm getting old. Her, <laughs> they grow up too fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was that? What was that change like for you when you when you left Creative Trust? Because you, know, you you would kind of. I, you can you can correct me here because the the information that I'm based this on is like old memories of mine, uh, so not maybe the most reliable. Um, but you kind of came to Creative Trust and and you 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 sort of with your profession the the sort of the brand manager thing, like that really is not an established sort of career. Uh, you just kind of made it up as you went along, um, and and you know made it work for you. Uh, what was it like to kind of be like, okay, I've completed that, I've done that, and now I'm going to step away and do something different? Um, well, so at that point, that was really the, the the second time in my life that I had done that. Mm-hmm. So I graduated from college in 1997 and went into the investment management um, uh, space. And so I was a managing director mm-hmm. at um, like this private wealth management company working with families and founders and you know entrepreneurs and did that for almost 10 years and, until I hit a point where I felt like okay this is not for me mm-hmm. um, I thought okay I'm gonna spend my entire life doing this and you know I'll benefit from all the things that come with that but I, I realized that was actually some like an idea that I had accepted about oh well this is what I should do like, this is what I should be. Like, this is what a successful life looks like. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing to me was that my clients were people that had gotten all of this stuff that were told to want. And they were miserable. The vast majority of them were miserable. 
and and I just didn't want to be that. And so through you know amazing circumstances, uh, Ted's path crossed with mine, and I decided to go and you know move to entertainment management. So I would say it was an it was a a happy mistake, but it wasn't a mistake mm-hmm. at all because it was exactly what was supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, like you said, I just kind of made it up as I went. Um, learning, I, I think that was an advantage for me because I wasn't locked into the his, the history of here's how you publish stuff. Here's how you market stuff. I didn't have to work through all of that junk that, you know, you have to work through if you grew up in a, in a particular space. So, um, you know, by the time I got you know, many years into that, I hit a point where it was obvious this is not what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd hit some kind of ceiling. I sensed it. It was just something that I can't tell you how I knew it. I just knew it. Mm-hmm. Like I just knew mm-hmm. that it, in order for me to express myself most fully and to understand who I am, uh, I'm going to need another challenge. I'm going to need another way to... Um, you know, just create, create in life. Mm. And I had no idea that, you know, this next step was, was going to work out, that it would work out the way that it did. And what a lot of people don't know is actually, I didn't jump straight from Creative Trust right into Outlaw Studios, which is the, the thing that Ted and I created. Right. There was about a year to a year and a half in between where I, actually all I did was consult with and mentor online entrepreneurs and bloggers and mm. and people who are relatively successful but were uh, like the people that I had I uh, worked with in the investment world and people I'd worked in with in entertainment faced the same challenges. They just they didn't know who they were anymore. They chased an idea of who they thought they were supposed to be. They got that and they realized that's not who they were. And so it was really just kind of, uh, you know, spiritual mentorship and, and guidance and, and then went into the um, it created Outlaw Studios and did that. So mm-hmm. from the outside, it looks like uh, lots of happy accidents and synchronicities. But life is one great big synchronicity where all things are working together to move you toward um, who you're meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um so Outlaw Studios began with uh, the Outlaw books, the Outlaw Chronicles, and uh, you, you played a pretty pretty heavy hand in that. What what led to saying okay, like obviously you, you'd worked with Ted uh, Ted Decker for for quite some time. Uh, you you developed this friendship, this relationship. Uh, Ted's wildly successful. Um, let's try something completely different and completely new. Um, did, you know, what, what, what were your expectations for that series going in and saying, hey, we're going to self-publish this, we're going to do this differently than we've done before? Um, what made what made you guys want to do that? And obviously it was successful, but why do you think it was successful? Um, well, we did it because we thought it would be fun. Uh, that was the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so I have a good friend, Matt Bronlowy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I know Matt. Matt's a fantastic guy. Oh, probably the most prolific creative individual I've ever met, and know personally. Like this guy is amazing, and and so we've uh, written multiple books together, and screenplays, and show pitches to like Netflix and HBO, and and 
we had experimented with doing a, a mashup cowboy zombie series mm-hmm. and published it under a pen name and it actually did really well. Mm-hmm. And so I was at lunch with Ted one day and we were talking about this or we were talking on the phone about it and, um, and he was really intrigued by it. And so the question came up in that conversation. I wonder what would happen if you had a brand behind that. Like, what would it be like to publish something independently with somebody who has an audience like waiting for stuff? Right. And and so that was the like the business side of that equation. So it was, hey, this could be really fun, um, and it could also, um, you know, pay for our vacations, that kind of thing. But but it wasn't a really serious thing. It wasn't. Oh my gosh, we really have to figure this out. We're gonna you know reinvent publishing. It was just, hey, this would be a really cool way to get some stories out. And so I think it worked because one, we didn't really need it to work. Mm-hmm. So we could just create yeah, it was just you know, with freedom. Mm-hmm. So there was that. And that's not to say that it wasn't stressful. It was, man, <laughs> it, it was, there was a, it was a lot of work. Um, but also it worked because, you know, we had spent years and years and years. I mean, every single book release campaign, our number one goal was, growing the audience Mm -hmm. how do we actually create relationships with people so that we can hit a button and send an email and and an actual person gets it directly you know Mm -hmm. and and so we i mean that was our number one reason for marketing every single book launch it was let's connect with as many people as we can and so that that came in really handy when we launched eyes wide open because we serialized it Right. And right. yeah, we gave away the first episode and in the first weekend, um, we got 98,000 email addresses. Wow. From just from that alone, mm. uh, from giving it away, giving away this first episode of this serialized story. And, um, I'm not sure we could do that again today. Just yeah, because the world has changed so much. Yeah, I think it's becoming more common too. I think you guys sort of hit the beginning of that curve, and um, it was something new at the time. More people have seen that success you've had, and they're trying to build on it. Yeah, and it's and there's just so much out there now. It, it's hard. It's hard to do that. But but that's why it was successful. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, we'd done the long, hard, systematic work of uh, just building relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the the second question that people wanted to know was like, and obviously you you you, you talked about where you've been. Um, I I think it's a testament to to you personally that you can sort of you know drop off the face of the earth for about five years, and people still want to know what do you have coming next. Like they're 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 looking for you and they're saying someday I know I'm gonna see this guy's name and it's gonna be on the cover of a book. It's gonna be you know, in the end credits of a movie, it's going to be somewhere. Um, I don't think you can talk in very much specifics, but what, what are you working on right now? Yeah. So I'm, so I'm basically working on two things right now. And the first one is, um, a project called, and then I woke up and, and then I woke up is, is essentially, it's the same kind of, uh, topics that, that, that come through the forgotten way that come through the way of love. Um, you know, they're essentially just my, my expression, my own way of, 
of talking about uh, my life or spiritual journey, mm-hmm. you know, and asking lots of questions. I feel like we're really, we really are in a time where the, let's call it the dream, like the shared dream of our culture, you know, of, you know, who you should be, what you should want, what's going to make you happy. Uh, I mean, on every level, uh, those things are beginning to fall apart. And people are beginning to, I just call it wake up to this, this idea that, okay, all of these things uh, are not really who we are. Mm-hmm. Like there's something else in us that we long for. Even, I mean, even uh, religious people, even Christians, and I would say especially Christians, which is why, I mean, there are lots of news stories out now about, you know, people that are dismantling their faith or, you know, they're, they're much more open to ideas and, you know, the things about their faith that once they never questioned, now their own life experience is causing them to question, right. Um, right. you know, how can God be both wrath, wrathful and unconditional love when those things are at odds? You know, those kinds of things, which growing up, I never felt like I had the permission to to question those things. And mm-hmm. it's very important that you have the ability to question those things because, you know, the the one infinite creator of all that is can certainly stand the pressure of right. human questions, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? For sure. And, and to think otherwise uh, just makes your God way too small. Mm. Uh, mm. You know, a little wooden idol that you set on a shelf and not a whole lot more than that. And so, you know, for me over the past few years, there's been this real kind of unfolding and, you know, the kind of a permission to ask questions and to... Um, you know, see that my my views and containers I've held God in are just way, way, way too small. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I woke up is you know I'm I'm putting it down in the form of a book, and also in the form of a podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first episode actually went up yesterday, but it's it has it still hasn't distributed fully out to you know Apple and. Uh, Stitcher in those places. Right now, it's just on Spotify, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's that, uh, working through that. And as part of that, um, I'm still finding myself being in people's lives that are going through crisis or going through significant change themselves. And I, I'm just finding myself in these circles of people uh, who are wanting somebody to give them permission to ask questions. And so I'm there to talk to them and, and help them. And, and essentially, mentor isn't the right word, but it's simply just to walk beside them, yeah. not to give them answers, but just to say, hey, look, you're you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. We are all exactly where we're supposed to be. And, you know, let's learn through this together. So, so there's that. And then there's a second project called Passage, And I'm doing this with a friend of mine in San Diego. Uh, Essentially, it's an organization that that will provide modern-day rites of passage uh, experiences for men. And, you know, anybody who's familiar with John Eldridge and Wild at Heart, you know, that whole kind of thing, you know, you know that um, the rites of passage, so these experiences, these moments, these transitions from one stage in life to another, we don't really have those in, in our society. Um, you know, indigenous cultures had those, you know, sweat lodges, walkabouts, you know, South American uh, cultures have, you know, plant medicine ceremonies and, 
and those kinds of things. Well, we don't really have those in our culture, and and that actually creates uh, a stunted sense of spirituality, a stunted sense of our own human development when you don't have those. And so we're working with uh, lots of people that are much smarter than we are, that are very, um, very experienced in human psychology and spirituality, and you know, guiding people through uh, these sort of big, these big moments, and figuring out how to systemize that and put those into like an ongoing community, mm-hmm. uh, so that people can can grow and and not. It gives them an alternative to our society's, you know, canned version of here's what a life should look like. Right. And when that fails you, which it's going to, you know, because those things can't make you happy. Um, you ultimately always have to to face the ideas of who you think you are. Hmm. And and so we want to help people, give people the tools to do that. Hmm. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, that is, I, I mean, I, I'm excited for it. Um, you know, I'm going to jump offline with you and, and go, go check out that first podcast. Um, what, I, I find it really interesting that, you know, you, you've worked all these years as a brand manager in the literary space. And now it's kind of like you're doing the same thing, but you're doing it in the spiritual space or in the life space. You know, I, I I would almost say it's kind of like saying that life is story. I don't know. That, that's a good phrase. I think I'll keep that phrase. Um, that's the perfect phrase, man. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Um, why? You know, at what point did you feel like? Do you feel like that background in brand management, insofar as the literary space, has helped you with this? Um, because I mean, you're kind of really, you're really, you're, you're doing the same thing on a much, I want to say grander scale, but in a, in, a, in a different way, kind of diving into this idea of, of identity and um, purpose in life here mm-hmm. in the spiritual space. Um, what are the sort of the similarities between the two? How did how did having a good grasp on the on the first help you um, with these endeavors now in the in the latter? Yeah. Well, the way I think about it is, I mean, so life is story. I mean, that's the perfect, perfect metaphor for it. You know, and people, I love story theory. I love the ideas around why story works and what stories actually are. And a lot of people talk about different story archetypes, right? That there are six or seven different archetypes. Mm. I actually think that those six or seven or however many there are, really you can distill those down to one story there's actually only one story this is what i contend and that every movie you've ever seen every play every book everything is about this one thing and this one thing is about the main character uh discovering who they are it's all about identity Mm. so they set out thinking they are one thing and through you know this unfolding of events conflicts opportunities um you know they face who they are not and and who they are not burns away leaving who they really are and you can learn through anything and everything like so that's the way i i look at my path and you can really only see it in hindsight i can see now how everything i learned in the investment world served me equipped me in some ways to do what i did in brand management work 
And so, and everything in brain management work, you know, I learned tools and skills and things along the way that serve me no matter what I do. Right. And so, you know, so brain management work taught me and working with Ted, you know, and learning how to write, um, you know, him teaching me how to write and become a better writer. So the, the importance of clarity, the importance of communication and, you know, communication is when when the person who hears what you're saying understands what you say as closely to what you meant as possible. Mm-hmm. That's communication. Most people don't do that. Most people just kind of talk at you or to you. They're not very thoughtful about really connecting with the other person. That is hands down the most important lesson I learned uh, from brand management work, working you know in Outlaw Studios with Ted, um, you know as it as it has to do with business. Mm-hmm. But maybe the most important life lesson I've learned is that we all have these ideas of who we think we are and who we think everybody else is. And we have these ideas about life and they're just ideas and they're mostly other people's ideas and your degree of freedom and real joy in your life is directly related to your ability to see that all of those things are just ideas and you give them all the meaning that you ha- that they have for you. And, and so each of those things is an opportunity for you really to, to discover who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and to live your life freely. Yeah. So, so everything is an opportunity to mm-hmm. grow. Mm-hmm. Would you, this is a hard question. I think I don't know how I personally would answer it, but you know, in the last, you know, five years, could you could you look back and say, you know, five years ago, that you felt like you would be at the place you are now, or has it just been like, okay, I know what I'm doing for the next month or the next year, and wow, you know, how did I how did I get here, or did you feel like, okay, I have a goal, this is what we're working toward, okay, I'm you know I'm happy I'm here, but I'm not necessarily surprised by where I'm at now. Oh, that's like. Yeah, that's a hard question. It's a great question, though. Um, five years ago, I would not have, I could not have even conceived of where I'm at right now. There, there's some things that that I could have planned on, and they happened the way they that I thought that they would have. But there are other things. Uh, there are many, many other things that weren't even on my radar screen mm-hmm. as even as possibilities or potentials. And then as those things happened, then that caused me to, you know, think bigger about my own life and what's possible. But what I found is as time has gone on, I've become less and less attached to the, to the ideas uh, that we all have about success because we all know they're false ideas anyway, right? Mm -hmm. We all know that you can get all this stuff and you're not going to be happy. I mean, that, that stuff's a cliche for a reason. You know, we've all seen the, you know, VH1 behind the music, hmm. you know, specials. They're, they're all the same story. Right. You know, you get the stuff, you're like, yeah, it's not who I am. And then you, you know, you go on this journey. But no, I couldn't have planned any of this stuff. And, and that, in those, along the way, it was really scary at times and confusing at times. Um, and looking ahead at the next, five years, I, 
like I have a general sense. Hmm. Like if somebody asked me, where are you going? I would point east and say, I'm, I'm headed east. But, but if somebody said, hey, you know, which city are you going to? I, I don't really know. Hmm. I right. just know, hey, here's the general direction. And I'm actually much, much happier than I've ever been. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's great. Um, let me let me close this out. I want to ask you uh, at least one question about marketing. Um, we have a lot of people who listen to this podcast that are writers or they they want to write that first book and they haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, it is harder than ever to be seen in the literary space um, with ebooks, um, especially there's just it's easier than ever to publish a novel and it is harder than ever to to get that novel seen um so last last question for you what what do you think some of the most effective ways of marketing new books are how how do you if you're a new author how do you sort of stand above the crowd and and get your get your writing seen yeah um, the best thing you can do is become a really awesome writer. Um, I would actually, after, you know, years and years and years of, of working with writers, I can tell you that most people don't really want to be writers. They actually just want to be famous and rich. <laughs> yeah. Um, they want to skip ahead, mm-hmm. right? Um, everybody I know who has made it in any traditional sense um, took about 10 years to become an overnight success. Mm-hmm. And there, so any ideas you have of, you know, hitting the lottery, you know, the marketing lottery, you should put those on a shelf. Uh, because if you're doing it for that, um, you're, you're just not going to last, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So in order to be good, you, you just have to practice a lot. You have to write a lot. So, like the number one piece of advice I give to to writers or people who want to write for a living is you need to write like like cancel your Netflix subscription. <laughs> Ted oh, would probably argue that. Oh yeah, Ted, they don't want to Ted, do that one. Ted, Ted would argue that though. He he would say like you need to write and then you need to watch a bunch of movies, like consume mm-hmm. a bunch of story. So you mm-hmm. need to consume a bunch of story and you need to write a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that needs to be your number one focus. And then along the way. You know, you just have you have to start sharing, sharing your work. You know, little by little, show your work. Austin Kleon has a really great book. It's just called Show Your Work, and he's the guy who wrote Steal Like an Artist, also a great book. Mm-hmm. And you just have to be committed to doing it, little by little by little, getting your stuff out. You know, uh, you know, share your stuff for free or at a really low cost to begin with. You know, on Amazon or, um, you know, websites that that will curate good stuff. Because like you said, you're right. There's so much stuff out there. It, it, there's a flood of content because you're not just competing with other books. You're competing with audiobooks and Netflix and Hulu. And like you're competing for people's attention. Right. And so, you know, you just have to network with with people who are influential and deciding and helping sway people's uh, choices and decisions on what they read. Mm. Uh, I don't know exactly who those people are uh, for any given genre, you know, because it's different for per genre. So, 
you know, it's becoming a part of the tribe that you want to become a part of. Yeah. You know? So if you love, if you want to write fantasy, figure out how to go be part of that world. And if you're persistent enough and you stick with it, you know, you'll eventually crack that code. Hmm. Yeah. There, I mean, there's no one, there's no silver bullet. I know yeah. everybody wants one, but there yeah. isn't one. Yeah. Yeah. If it was that easy, then everybody would figure it out and do it. Uh, well, Kevin, I want to thank you for um, for crawling out under your rock. Um, I'll let you get back under it now. Uh, oh, thanks, man. <laughs> thank you for being on the podcast. Um, it's really been great catching up with you and talking to you, and I'm excited to see um, all these things you have in the future. Remind me again of the, the podcast that you have that, that's coming out, the name of it. Sure, it's called And Then I Woke Up. Okay, And Then I Woke and... Up. It's currently on Spotify, and it should start making its distribution soon yeah it should be everywhere uh i would assume by the end of this week yeah and okay it, so it, by the time i guess then by, by the time this actually this interview goes live then it'll be it'll be up for sure because this, yeah. this will air in the middle of september and, it, and if anybody wants to follow along uh they can just go to and then i woke up.com and you can sign up to get regular updates you know when podcasts drop and you know i send out fairly regular articles and emails uh, to that list. It's fairly new, but uh, just go to andthenIwokeup.com and you can sign up for that if you're into that kind of thing. All right. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. We really appreciate it. Uh, so we look forward to seeing more from you. I look forward to seeing more from you too, brother. Thanks for having me.